you have your Bible this morning, I'd like to invite you to open them to the book of Genesis. We're going to pick up where we left off about six weeks back. We're in Genesis chapter 49. This is an interesting chapter because this is where Jacob blesses his sons. Now, you remember that Jacob had these 12 sons. Rachel, Leah, their handmaidens as well, all these sons that he had. And now it comes where he is at his death's door. He's laying on his deathbed. But before he dies, he decides he's going to make a proclamation over each one of his sons of what will be for them in the future. Now this is a really important part of scripture for several reasons. The first one is, in this chapter we have the very first prophecy spoken by man. He says, I'm going to tell you what's going to happen to you guys in the future. Now we have prophecy before that in the book of Genesis where God, uh, we have this message from God that, that, uh, that, uh, Satan's head would be bruised. Jesus' heel would be bruised. Yes, that's a prophecy and that's true. But we find here the first prophecy from man to man anointed by God. And so we find a lot of things in this particular chapter. And if we read it fast, we might miss it. But when we look at it up close, there's a lot here that we want to look at. Father, this morning, thank you for this church and thank you for each person in it. Thank you for your anointing on us and that you've called us to be more than just ourselves, but you've called us into a world vision of outreach and so, Lord, this morning, as we spend this time looking at your word, may you strengthen that call, may you remind us of that call, and may we walk in that call. In Jesus' name, amen. Chapter 49 of Genesis, as we get ready to wrap up this book and go into the book of Exodus, and this is where Moses comes on the scene to deliver the children of Israel from their visit in Egypt. Now the first few hundred years were pretty good. Uh, they had the choices of land. Pharaoh really liked Joseph because he interpreted the dream for him and he said to Joseph, bring your family on down to Beverly. No, he said, bring them on down to the land of Goshen. It is the best land we've got here and I want to put your family in it. Now this was right after the famine had come, in fact, right at the very end of the famine. And we remember studying about the famine that happened. Now, the famine initially was where Pharaoh had this dream. There was seven fat cows and seven skinny cows, and the fat cows got eaten up by the skinny cows, and the skinny cows were still skinny. This is really some weird dreams, I gotta tell you, friends. You know, if you're having dreams where cows are eating cows and they're still skinny, I don't know what you've been eating. But anyway, he was directly divided, divine by God. Now, something important here that we miss sometimes. God spoke to a non-believer concerning prophetical things that were going to happen in the future. Sometimes we think that God only speaks to us because we're his children. But remember this, through the Bible you will always see God has a way of getting his message out. Now remember, this is why it's important for all of us in evangelism to understand this. God is already working on people that are lost in the world. 
All we do is come along and give the invitation to come into the kingdom of heaven. In a recent book by Danny Lehman, who is a, uh, one of the head spokesmen, or at least was, he's kind of retired now, of YWAM International, he says it usually takes between five and six times for an individual to hear the gospel before they'll respond to it. The first time it might be just somebody saying, come to church with me. Sometimes it might be giving somebody a track. Sometimes it might be a, a, a message on the radio. But usually a person needs to be exposed to the gospel somewhere between five and six times before they'll make a, a decision to serve Christ. But the point is, is this, is that God is already doing the Holy Spirit, invisible, wonderful Holy Spirit, is already doing the evangelism in the world. Where our part comes in is say, oh, by the way, buddy, as a matter of fact, Jesus loves you. And they go, really? I was wondering what all these crazy dreams I've been having are about. You see, Pharaoh had the dream. No one could interpret it. And we remember that Joseph was brought out of prison and presented before Pharaoh. And he said, the dream that you had, and he explains it to him. And he said, Pharaoh, what you need to do is you need to start building barns right now, store up the grain, because when the drought and the famine come, you're not going to have any food. You need to start storing it up so you can meter it out later. And Pharaoh said, where can I find somebody in which the wisdom of the gods dwell? You be my prime minister. He went from prison to prime minister in a day. That's the power of God, friends. I don't care what your situation is right now in your life. No matter what it is, God in a day can change everything. Now, I know a lot of times the devil will come along and say, No, you've been in this rut for all these years. You're always going to be in this rut for all these years. A rut is just a coffin with the ends kicked out. Get used to it. That's not the God you serve. The God you serve is an extraordinary God, a God of miracles. And you know, one of the things I'll tell you as a Christian, something that we ought to do every day is expect a miracle. You need miracles in your life. You do. It's one of the ways you know God's real. You know, when you pray about something against incredible odds, God does it. It's really funny. I had uh, my cell phone break in uh, Hawaii. And uh, kind of cut you off from all communications. No one can call you. You can't call anyone. But I had a backup phone for my house phone that I switched over because I didn't want to have a wall, wall phone anymore at home. And it just so happened that this guy calls me on this phone wanting to buy a piece of property I had. But if I had my other phone that was working would have worked, I would have never got the call. But God broke that phone so I could get the call. And I go, God... A miracle. Miracles, signs, and wonders, the Bible says, follow those that believe. Now, are you looking for that miracle in your life today, tomorrow, this week? Because that's what God does. Anybody can serve a dead God. I mean, that's what the gods of the world are. But you serve a true and living God, one that's able to do impossible things and change the ordinary into extraordinary. That's what God does. And I like that about the Lord because he's got your best in eternities for you. Letting him do that. Well, we find Jacob. 
now in the land of Goshen, in Egypt, the best land. And he's there with his sons because of Joseph's blessing from Pharaoh because he interpreted the dream. And they're there all enjoying the goodness in the middle of a world famine. Joseph blessed his family. And though his family initially, not his dad, but his brothers, did not bless him, he blessed them. That's the way it is, friends. You're going to be, as a Christian, abused, used, lied to, lied about, rebuked, reviled, all these things. But nevertheless, God sees it all. And you don't want to be a man pleaser. You want to be a God pleaser. It doesn't matter what people think of you. It's what God thinks of you. But see, it's easy to play to the crowd because that's what the world says. You know, the Bible talks about spiritual darkness, spiritual blindness. Now, friends, many years... Even myself, I interpret that, oh, a, a person that's spiritually blind, oh, that's speaking about not knowing Jesus. Well, that's part of it. But spiritual darkness is much, much greater than that. Our nation is spiritually blind right now. Not just because it doesn't know Jesus, but because we don't even know what's right and wrong anymore. We don't even know what bathroom to go into anymore. That's the problem. The spiritual darkness is not just concerning God. Yes, I believe that's where it starts. But it transcends into every aspect of our lives, every aspect of our government, every aspect of our laws and civic order and school, everything. It's a trickle-down effect. Spiritual darkness always will mislead and enslave people. It always works that way. Well, this is one of the great problems. Jacob had many sons. Many sons had Father Abraham. <laughs> I'm one of them and so are you. Okay. Well, here we find chapter 49. And Jacob called his sons and said, Gather together, that I wa- that, and I will tell you what will befall you in the last days. Now this is weird. Very clearly it's saying, I'm prophesying to you, this is what's going to come upon you. Friends, this is really important. I don't know how we could go clear back to Genesis and have it as relevant as anything you could do today, but here's the reason why. The first thing you have to realize is this. The empowering of the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2 was not just so you would be convicted of your sins and accept Christ. Here's why. All the people that were in the upper room, when Jesus said, go to the upper room and wait and I'll send the Holy Spirit to you, they were all believers. They all believed in Christ or they wouldn't have been in the upper room. Okay, pretty simple. But God was going to do something supernatural for them and to them and including us, the Bible says all those who are far off and we're pretty far off. All of those that are afar off, that it wouldn't be just the conviction of the Holy Spirit, the first work of God in our lives, but that there was going to be an empowering that God was going to do. Now, when we get to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we begin to see what this empowerment is. And it's reminiscent of what was going on in the Old Testament. Remember, the power of the Holy Spirit did not start in Acts chapter 2. 
It's all the way through the Bible. Signs and wonders follow those that believe. But here's what's really incredible about that. Acts chapter 2 makes it available to every one of us that are called by his name. I like that. First of all, God doesn't have favorites. And secondly, the power of God is for you now today. If you have not been filled with the Holy Spirit, you're a believer, but you have not been empowered. Now, let, let me explain this real quickly. There's a shyness about you. There's not a boldness in you. You love Jesus, and I know what I speak of because I was saved when I was five. But I didn't get spirit-filled till I was about 18 years old. And the difference was, I love God, but I didn't have the boldness to go out and share Jesus with people. Now, again, this is something God wants to do. You have got the treasure of all eternity in you today that the world needs. The Holy Spirit is already preparing people in the world like he did with Pharaoh, giving him a dream supernaturally, but it was a person who loved God, Joseph, who came along and said, Pharaoh, you've had a close encounter of the real kind. You had a close encounter with God who revealed this to you, and the God of heaven knows the meaning of what you dreamed. Do you see, we are interpreters of the Holy Spirit of what he's doing in people's lives that don't know him. And I am absolutely amazed how God will use any of us if we're willing to let him do that when we're guided by his Holy Spirit. If you have not been empowered by the Holy Spirit, if you're shy, if you're weak, you really maybe don't have a love for the lost in the world, you need to ask God, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Empower me, God. And whatever gifts you have for me, give me those gifts. In this particular case, the gift of prophecy was operating in Jacob concerning his sons. Now, let's look at this verse 2. Gather together and hear, you sons of Jacob, and listen to Israel, your father. Now, we remember God changed Jacob's name from heel catcher to governed or led by God when he called him Israel. Big difference. You know, the Bible says, by the way, for all of us, God's going to give you a new name too. I don't know what my new name in heaven is going to be, but I know it's going to be good. And yours is going to be good too. And so we want to look at that when we get to heaven someday. So he calls them. I can just see him laying there in bed, you know. No, not like he, he, he was laying there in bed on his deathbed. In fact, as we get towards the end of the chapter, you're going to see he was on his deathbed. He's laying there, and he brings his sons before him, and he makes a proclamation. Now, probably they were lined up in line according to their age. So he addresses Reuben first, the firstborn. Now, Reuben, according to his Hebrew tradition and law, was the great inheritor. The firstborn got it all. But Reuben disqualified himself when he slept with Jacob's concubine. Let me explain. Which happened to be the mother of a couple of his brothers. Reuben was a kinky boy, okay? And he had problems because of that, and Jacob knew he had problems. Now, I don't know how many of us have ever had issues in our life. And we just hope that time will heal all wounds and it'll just go away. 
Yeah, I did a bunch of rotten things back then. I don't want to talk about it. I want to forget about it. I think probably Reuben was like this of what he did. Maybe a little remorseful in some of the things that he did. But Reuben was somebody that didn't get away with it. And you'll notice this here. Reuben, you are my firstborn. My might and my beginning of my strength. The excellency of dignity and the excellency of power. So far, the blessing sounds great, don't it? You're, you're really, you know, really a good guy. But then, listen to the rest. You're as unstable as water. You shall not excel. Because you went up to your father's bed and defiled it. And he went up to my couch. Now this, I, I suppose when he said this, probably cut him to the heart. Because he realized the things that he did. Have you ever had things that bother you that you've done in your life? You see, that is, is a, a condition that sometimes can indicate unrepentance. Now, I, I, I talked to a, a very well-known pastor evangelist years ago and we were just visiting and he looked at me and he said well Mike let's, let's face it we all live in the sins of our past it's true but your sins can be forgiven that's the good news of what God does in other words God washes us clean from the things of our past and we need that don't feel like you're the only one that's ever sinned and, and done something wrong. Listen, we're all candidates for the grace, the love, and the forgiveness of God through Jesus Christ. We all need that. It's not just something that we needed when we first got saved, but it's something that we need all the time. Because I have found, even as a Christian, the devil will try to pull up things that you did 20 years ago and throw it in your face. And so this is why God's grace is sufficient for us. He brings this up to Reuben, and Reuben may have thought, well, Pops is old, he's probably forgot about it. Here comes the blessing. And he starts talking about excellence, and he's going, yeah, baby. Except one thing, you're as unstable as water and you defiled me. Because you had my concubine. Wow. I can see probably Reuben getting back in his thing and he didn't get the big manifold blessing he didn't get the, all the goodies because he was the firstborn he forfeited that because of what he did and Jacob here flags it because of what he did then he goes to Simeon and Levi Simeon and Levi are brothers instrument of cruelty are in their habitation boy I'll tell you if this is uh, now, now, just, just to get an idea here what this is, okay? The parent dies, and you all go into the lawyer's office for the reading of the will. And everybody's going, I get this, and I get this, and I get the car, and I get the house, and I get the money in the bank. And everybody's going, yeah, and we're all there together. And by the way, some of the most brutal fights in a family will come through inheritances. 
Mom gave you more than she gave me, and so we're going to get a lawyer and say that she was incompetent when she made that will. and all. You know the story. What goes on? The only difference is the will is being read not by an attorney, but by dad. And now he goes on and he says, you two are cruel people. Notice why. Now we remember they had a sister named Dana. And she was raped by by a guy in a particular town. And these guys were so filled with wrath, rather than just going after the guy that did it to their daughter or or their, their sister, they killed everybody in the whole town. Uh, that's the extent of these guys. But notice, it's Simeon and Levi are brothers. Instruments of cruelty are their habitation. Let not my soul enter into their council. Let not my honor be united to their assembly. For in their anger they slew a man, and their self-will they humstrung an ox. Cursed be their anger, for it is fierce, and their wrath, for it is cruel. I will divide them in Jacob and scatter them in Israel. And truly, God did. Now notice a couple of things here. Didn't catch this in any commentary I read, but... Simeon and Levi are brothers, instrument of cruelty. Which tribe did the law come? Who knows? Levi. Levi is through the law. Friends, the law is cruel. You know that? You know why the law is cruel? Because in the law, the Ten Commandments, we have God's standard. We have this this golden standard. And then you have man over here that's never able to meet God's standard. The law, and I I always am amazed by the Judaizers that were in the Bible and the book of Galatians and other places, but you find them today in the cults. Well, the real believers in Yahweh will follow the Ten Commandments. We don't eat pork. We worship on Saturday. We do this and we do that and I am so good. See, they don't read the Bible. If they read the Bible, they'd read, no good thing dwells in the flesh. There's nothing that I, you, me, any of us do to find righteousness. We are incapable of making righteousness. I can make cookies, but I can't make righteousness. Because it's not within man, the Bible says, to live righteously. In other words, you need a generator inside of you for righteousness. But it's not something that you and me do. I like that. All of a sudden, I start feeling the weight lifting. Why is that? The law is a cruel taskmaster. The law was never meant to justify you and me. It was meant to show us how desperately we needed a Savior. And if you try to live by the Ten Commandments, you'll only frustrate yourself because where you err in one, you err in all. And that's what the Bible says. So we cannot justify ourselves ever by the Ten Commandments. We had to have somebody that could live the Ten Commandments. And then, because they live in the Ten Commandments, they could impart that righteousness to me. Where Paul says, it's like we put on a coat. We wrap his righteousness around us. And that's what makes us righteous. 
No good thing dwells in the flesh. Jesus Christ, the author and finisher of our faith. It isn't something I generate in myself. I have a supernatural Holy Spirit generator, so do you if you're born again, that generates the righteousness you need to be right before God so you can make your petition be made known to him. It's not something we do in ourselves. Oh, man, if we could be good on ourselves. See, and this is what, where I, I, I become so troubled when I listen to the cults. And there's so many of them that believe they are made righteous by what they personally do. They came to Jesus and they said, Jesus, what must we do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said, believe that the Father has sent me. Isn't that weird? He didn't say, get out, go door to door, don't eat pork, worship on Saturday. He said, believe that the Father sent me. What is what we must do is that we find our righteousness in him. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. Jesus, when he said that, his commandments are not the Ten Commandments. Jesus' commandments were these. Love God with your whole heart, mind, soul, and spirit. And Jesus said, the second is likened unto it, love your neighbor as yourself. For upon these two, he said, hang all the law and the prophets. Love God, love your fellow man. You're cloaked in his righteousness. Friends, remember where your source of holiness comes from. Because if you forget that, you will become prey to the devil. You will become prey to the cults. You will become prey to anything that's out there that says, hey, this is what you must do. Start jumping through the hoops. Well, here you find Simeon and Levi are brothers. And as it says here, they're cruel. Now again, uh, the law is cruel. Friends, there's no righteousness. (laughs) All it shows me is how bad I am. Because even if we're not practicing those things, Jesus said, if you thought it in your heart, you've done it. So, So we got another problem, don't we? We not only have the action thing, but we have the source of the action, our thoughts. Have you ever noticed how we act upon our thoughts? Kind of weird, ain't it? Why did you do that? I don't know. No, I mean, we thought it through. We do that. Well, here he says, Cursed be they are for their anger. They're fierce, for, they are, for it is cruel. And it says, I will divide them in Jacob and scatter them in Israel. And by the way, is, uh, Levi never received any allotment of land in the promised land when they finally went into the promised land. But they were scattered throughout Israel to represent God to the people and the people to God. It's exactly what the Bible says. Then he comes to Judah. Now, we know who Judah is. He's the lion of the tribe of Judah. This is speaking of Jesus Christ. We know that it was through his tribe that the Messiah came. Judah, you are he whom your brothers shall praise. This is true because of of Messiah. Your hand shall be on their neck of your enemies... Your father's children shall bow down before you. Judah is a lion's whelp. From the prey, my son, you have gone up. He bows down. He lies down as a lion. As a lion, who shall rouse him? He says, the scepter shall not depart from Judah. And by the way, through Jesus Christ, the scepter never has. Nor a lawgiver 
from between his feet until Shiloh comes. And to him shall the obedience of the people. Binding of his donkeys to the vine, his donkey's colt to the choice vine, he will wash his garments in wine, his clothes in the blood of the grapes. It's interesting that Jesus held up a cup at the Last Supper, and he said, this is my blood which was shed for you. It's Jesus' blood that, in fact, did wash us white. And it says, his eyes are darker than wine, his teeth are whiter than milk. Jesus came from the tribe of Judah. Judah was far, though, from a good guy. We find all kinds of things that Judah did that were really bad. Um, Judah um, was instrumental in trying to make profit in selling Joseph into slavery. There was a lot of things that Judah did that weren't good. One of the things, though, that was really interesting is when um, they didn't know who Joseph was, and they wanted ben- he wanted uh, Joseph wanted Benjamin, his real brother, to stay with him while the other brothers went back. He said, "No, don't don't take Benjamin because it'll kill our dad. Take me instead." This was the first time you see a change of heart in in uh, Judah that he actually offered himself as a sacrifice. But you know what, friends? That's what Jesus did. Zebulun, verse uh, verse 13, shall dwell by the heaven of this, by the haven of the sea, and he shall become haven for ships, as his border shall adjoin Sidon. And that's where he actually he said in the northern part there. Iskar, a strong donkey, lying down between two burdens. And by the way, kind of speaks that he's, he's going to be known, but he's going to be lazy, lying down. He saw that the rest was good. The land was very pleasant. He bowed his shoulder to bear a burden and became a band of slaves. They were a very large tribe. And because of that and where they were located, we find that uh, there, there was a lot of slavery going on and people taking them for slaves. Dan, which by the way means a judge, Dan shall judge his people as one of the tribes of Israel. Dan shall be a serpent by the way. <laughs> Man, how would you like to have your dad come you come in, okay, dad, bless me, and dad looks at you and said, You know, you're a snake. <laughs> you know, I mean, you think about this for a minute. Gee, Dad, couldn't you say something cool about me? No. Because he knew what was going on. It is interesting that the tribe of Dan formally introduced idolatry into Israel. Now Solomon made it popular later on, but Dan is where they set up the golden calf. There was one in Dan and one in Bethel and the tribe of Dan. Interesting, in the 144,000 Jews, the 12 tribes of Israel that we find in Revelation chapter 7, Dan is not there. It's missing. He's missing. Now, evidently, in the redemption of God, when we get into the tribes that are in the millennial, or excuse me, in the um, final picture, Dan is mentioned. But here in this particular case, it says Dan uh, is a serpent, by the way, a viper in the path that bites the horse's heels so the rider shall fall backwards. I have waited for your salvation, 
O Lord. Now Gad, a troop shall trample upon him, but he will triumph at last. Bread from Asher shall be rich and yield many royal uh, dainties. Naphtali is a deer let loose. He gives goodly words. Then he comes to Joseph. Now Joseph is the one, again, because of his faithfulness to God, he saved not only Israel, his dad, his brothers, Egypt, and the rest of the world through this drought. But jo Joseph is such a Christ type in the Bible. And Joseph is a fruitful bough, a fruitful bough by the well. His branches run over the wall. Archers have bitterly grieved him and shot at him and hated him. By the way, friends, when the anointing of God's in your life, you'll be praised by some and hated by many. It's just the way it works. Because they don't see God in your life. They see you and they're jealous of what God does in your life. I can do what they do without seeing the God that's behind you that motivates you to do what you do for him. In other words, you as a Christian cannot be replicated. God made you unique for his kingdom. He singled you out. He empowered you. And the reason he empowered you was for a specific purpose. People will look at you, try to copy you, try to disdain you, do all these different things because they don't see the God that is behind you, that's driving you to do what you do. And that's such an important part of understanding the God that we serve. God is, takes an ordinary person like you and me and makes them extraordinary by supercharging them with that generator that I spoke of earlier that generates his Holy Spirit in us to do extraordinary things for the kingdom of heaven. You know, I was driving down Belt Highway in, on the Big Island and I was listening to CSN and I was listening to a couple of the praise songs that we have on Saturday night. Actually, it was Saturday afternoon. And I just began to cry. Because I thought, God, through everything that we've all been through, I've been through. And I hear that and I know that not only does it bless me, but it blesses those that are listening as well. And as we read the letters from all over America and even around in different countries, how CSN has blessed them and how it's done it, I begin to cry because I thought, God, it, it is amazing to me how you can take someone so ordinary or a group of us so ordinary and do something so extraordinary that literally it's people say that, well, our church is making a world. This one does. Somebody came up to me years ago and they said, do you realize you're the Walmart of Christian radio? I said, what? And he goes, yeah, you're everywhere, man. I go, I never thought of it like that, but that's kind of neat. You see, because there's so much lies out there. So many churches don't teach the Bible. They teach pieces of the Bible. And by teaching pieces of the Bible, you can come up with all kinds of crazy doctrine. Isaiah says, line upon line, precept upon precept. That's how we're to study the Word of God. So not only do you understand line upon line, but the precept. If you're going to talk about salvation by faith, 
then look at all the verses that talk about salvation by faith. And you're always going to find Jesus because he's the often finisher of it. If you're going to talk about what heaven is, look at all the verses about it. If you're going to look at what death is, you got to look at all the verses about it. This is why people get into these goofy ideas. Well, the Bible talks about soul sleep. No, it doesn't. It talks about this body that when it dies, as you drive by the cemetery out there, there's plots out there with uh, decaying bodies in it. I know you've listened to some of the ads on TV. You won't rot in your plot when you see what we got. Well, let me tell you something. This body is going to go back to corruption. But we're going to get an immortal body someday that doesn't pass away. That's when the Bible talks about, and Stephen fell asleep. It's not talking about his soul. It's talking about his flesh. Because the rest of the Bible, and here's the precept, to be absent in the body is to be present with the Lord. Jesus prayed for Darius' daughter, who was dead. The mourners were there. And they showed up. You don't have to trouble the master. She's already dead. Jesus said, let's go. Him and Darius and, and his disciples go to the house. He prays for the little girl. And the Bible says, her spirit returned to her. It does not say her spirit woke up in her. It says return to her. Very important. Old Testament, Elijah did the same thing for a little boy. His spirit returned to him. That's the precept. But you see, when you just hopscotch through the Bible, bendo scripture. Well, that's a troubling thing because it'll lead you down. You believe wrong, you live wrong. Do you realize the way you live your life is based upon what you believe? That's why they work so hard in the schools and the colleges to make your children believe they evolved. So if it feels good, do it. There's no facts in the world. You're not necessarily a girl because you're a girl or a guy because you're a guy. It's bendo. Well, that's what the Bible says. That's why liberals, that's why the world hates the Word of God. Do you know why? Because the Bible says this is fact. This is truth. Well, today, truth is how you look at it. It's true if it's true to you. If you feel like Benjamin Franklin, then you're Benjamin Franklin. Well, there's real problems with that. But Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So we have an established fact in who God is. So there are absolutes. There are the things of our past that haunt us, as we're reading about right here. You don't think these guys, guys were wanting to crawl under the table as dad then goes down to each one of them and says, you know what, you're a snake. Gee, thanks, dad. But dad was right. Now he comes to Joseph. And he says, you're a fruitful bough. You're, you're branches that hang over the wall. You're so generous that what you have, the shade, covers not only you, but even over the wall on the other side. You ever had a next door neighbor that had a fruit tree planted on the, on the property line? And, and those branches that hang over the other side, even though it's their tree, you get to eat the apples off the tree because they're on your side of the fence. That's what he's talking about. So he says... They shot at him. 
and they hated him. But his bow remained in strength. His arms and his hands were made strong by the hands of the mighty God of Jacob. Remember, that's where your strength lies. It isn't in yourself. You can go to all the gyms as you want. You can build up muscles so big that when you do a jumping jack, it pops your head like a pimple. But that does not give you the strength you need to live each day. From there is the shepherd, the stone of Israel. The God of your father who will help you. The Almighty who will bless you with blessings from heaven above. Blessings of the deep that lies beneath. Blessings of the beast uh, 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 the, the and the womb and the, breast, uh, the blessing of your father have excelled in the blessings of my ancestors. Up to the utmost bound of the everlasting hills they shall be on the head of Joseph and on the crown of his head of him who will separate us, separate from his brothers. Benjamin is a ravenous wolf. In the morning he shall devour the prey. At night he shall divide the spoil. All these, the twelve tribes of Israel, this is, is what their father spoke to them. He blessed them. It doesn't sound like a blessing sometimes, but it is. He blessed each one of them according to his own blessing. He charged them and said to them, I am, I am to be gathered to my people. Bury me in the field of Ephron the Hittite. In the cave that is in the field of Machala, which is before Manmir in the land of Canaan, which Abraham bought with the field of Ephron, the Hittite, as a possession, a possession for his burial place. There they buried Abraham, Sarah, his wife, and they buried Isaac and Rebekah, his wife. There I buried Leah, the field and the cave that is there were purchased from the sons of Heth. Now, you read this fast, you miss something. Remember Jacob worked for Laban for seven years for the hand of Rachel. Remember that? Wedding night, in the morning, he pulls back the veil, and it's the ugly duckling sister to Leah, and he goes, ah! And he's mad, and he goes down to Laban, and he said, what is this that you have deceived me? I worked for Rachel. You gave me the ugly duckling sister with weak eyes. That's what the Bible says. He said, you gave me the girl with weak eyes? He goes, ah, it's customary in our country that the older daughter gets married first. If you want Rachel, you've got to work another seven years. Fulfill her week. I'll give you Rachel. I'll float her on credit for you for seven years. That's what happened. And so he did. And we remember the whole story that ensued. But what is strange? He loved Rachel. Leah was the one he really didn't want. But it was through Leah, the unwanted one, that Judah was born. And it is interesting here that he is not buried with Rachel where she was buried, but he wanted to be buried with who? Leah. Isn't it funny how time changed his thoughts and his mind about love? This morning, maybe you have struggled with a lot of things in your life. Maybe you might feel like some of these uh, brothers, some of the things you've done, some of the things you wish you wouldn't have done. 
Maybe they haunt you. Maybe they bother you a little bit. Well, I got some great news for you. You need the Holy Spirit generator in you. That's what the Bible actually says. I'm going to send power to you from on high. The word for power there is the word dynamo. Not dynamite that goes bang and it's over, but dynamo that generates. Like a car. You know how, how your battery doesn't run down in your car. It generates. You need that generator in you. It is not within any of us to live righteously. That's why the law is such a curse. That's why the law is so cruel. God says, this is a standard you need to live by. And we as humans go, but we can't live that way. Why is that? You're in a fallen body. That's why you have propensities and feelings for things you shouldn't have. Your brain says, this ain't good. And your body says, I don't care. Talk to an alcoholic. Talk to a drug person. Yeah, they'll say, oh yeah, I know it's killing me. Give me more. What's wrong with you? Well, it's because we have a disconnect. We're in a fallen body. You need that Holy Spirit generator that says, hey, you don't need those things anymore. Now you're going to live for me. You need not a fifth of whiskey. You need an Ephesians fifth. Be not drunk with wine or in excess, but be filled with the Spirit. That's what you need. And God then builds us back up. This morning, if you're not born again, if you've never asked Christ in your life, you're carrying the weight of your sin around. It's killing you. That's why people drink. They try to escape. Why does an elephant drink? It wants to forget. That's what our problem is. We'll keep ourselves preoccupied to try to forget the sins we can't erase. But God can. And that's what he does. That's why Jesus died on the cross for you this morning. If you've never prayed and asked Christ in your life, this is your day of change. This is where you can say, okay, Lord, I surrender. I don't want to be like Jacob's uh, kids where they come in and stand before him and every one of them is cringing because dad knows everything about him. And he begins flagging the things that they did. You know, it's really interesting about Jacob in the Bible, or excuse me, Joseph. Him and Daniel are the, really, I believe, the only two in the Bible that the Bible never says anything negative that they did. That's kind of interesting. Isn't that a funny thing? You know, well, it's because, again, we need to be forgiven. And if you haven't been forgiven by God, you're carrying it. And you will do things to escape from those memories. You'll try to wash it off in your shower. You'll try to get stoned to forget about it. You'll just try to stay busy, 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 and never really deal with the issue. This morning, you can stop running, and you can ask God to forgive you and then have that blessing of God in your life. That's what you need. So if you haven't prayed, let's pray right now, okay? Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. And simply this, forgive me. I believe Jesus died on the cross for me. His blood covered my sins. And so now... I want to be your child forever. Wash away that past. And so now, may I live in your spirit every day. Fill me now, God, with your Holy Spirit. That I'll be able to love you more and love a lost world and have boldness to tell people about you. And so now, God, I commit my life into your hands. 
thank you for eternal life in Jesus name amen if you prayed that welcome to God's family begins with a prayer but God will show you your whole life is goodness